0: Hello everyone. Welcome back to the pod. This is your host John Alcantara. I know I haven't been posting any episodes here since the last time I was on this, uh, which was like last summer, I think, with Robert and the Tour Divide. But I promise, with the new year, I promise to provide you more episodes for this year. Now, if you're asking what I've been up to or what I've been doing, well, last summer, at the start of the summer i actually ran my first half marathon at the bank of america chicago 13.1 it was great i you know i was very happy with the course it was a new course by the way which the course was i was supposed to run it during 2023 i mean 2020 but COVID had other plans for us so didn't run that course um But yeah, I ran that course, it was really nice, beautiful. It was nice to see a different part of the city. And yeah, after the half marathon, I wasn't fully motivated to run another road race. So I discovered trail running, got into trail running, and ran my first uh, race at the uh, Cuss Running Nighttime Nonsense. I got third in that one, which was uh, pretty good for my first trail race. And then I trained for a 50K after that. Same uh, with cross Running. It's the, the, the I think it was like the non yeah. yeah, It was the Nonsense and I raced that and I never thought I could run 50K or 50K with my longest long run is only 16 miles. But I did finish it, placed top 10. Um, and I think I got the time of six hours which was pretty good i six hours and change i yeah i was very surprised with that and also it was the day of my birthday as well so it was a very very great present for myself to punish myself and yeah so after that right now i am in the training in a new training block getting ready to race ice H 50 here in May up in West LaGrange, Wisconsin. And then I'm also gonna register for the Hudson 50, which is in New York City that is hosted by David Kilgore. Now, out of the now, let's get to the episode here. In today's episode, we got Joe Corcion. Joe is is the host of the of everyday ultra. He is based out of the East Coast, but then you know flew his way out to the west and landed in Arizona. I am very jealous of him he gets really great weather he gets all the trails out there I'm very jealous but yes so now sit back relax and this is your episode with Joe Corcion enjoy hello
1: hey John how's it going
0: hey Joe I'm doing good how are you
1: I'm good. I'm good, man. Uh, doing great. Doing great. Can you hear me okay on your end?
0: Yeah, I could hear you very clear here on my end.
1: <laughs> That's awesome, man. It's nice to meet you.
0: Nice to meet you too, man. Um, thanks for uh, you know for joining the pod. It's been a while since my last episode. I think my last one was like last summer, because like with everything with COVID, I just lost interest mm-hmm. of doing this. So now here I am. I am interviewing the infamous. Joe Garcia on here.
1: <laughs> oh, thanks so much, man. Well, let me tell you, it's an honor to to be a guest on the show, especially like the uh, one coming back from a from a. I'm definitely honored, man, and I appreciate you having me on. And it's uh, I, I appreciate all the kind words and you supporting, you know, my journey and the podcast and everything, man. It means a ton. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, uh, you ready for this? You ready yeah,
1: for I'm sure? ready to go whenever. Yeah. All
0: right. So, uh, so where are you from originally? I, I know that uh, your name is uh, Corcion. Are you a, are you Italian?
1: Yes, that's correct. Yep. So, <laughs> I am am Italian. My uh, uh, both my grandparents uh, were from Italy, and um, so my parents were both first generation, uh, born in the U.S. And then um, I grew up in New York. So, about 45 minutes north of New York City, in a little suburban town called Somers, New York, in Westchester County. And so that's where I grew up. Lived pretty much most of my life there and then uh, went to school at Penn State. So still staying pretty East Coast and then um, eventually moved to Wisconsin for a year and a half. And I just I couldn't couldn't take the brutal winters over there. So I went the exact opposite and uh, moved to Arizona almost three years ago now. And this is uh, this is definitely home for me.
0: Uh, I am so jealous of you because I live in Chicago right now. Mm. And yes, the the winters here could be really brutal especially when you're in winter training for a like a spring or uh or or like a early summer uh race it is kind of brutal to get those miles in especially when it's like nate like the other day we have like a negative 22 and we're like yeah it's not worth going out for a run right now
1: (laughs) oh man i i Dude, I have so much respect for you out there because it's uh I know how cold it can get in the Midwest. I mean, like I said, I've been in Wisconsin, so I, I know those Midwest winters, man, and they're brutal, especially if you're still getting out there and running, man. That's that's freaking amazing because uh oh man, so much respect for that because I, I hate the cold. So all the power to you, my friend.
0: Yeah, it's like the like I think it was like last week, right before we got that blizzard and like the really frigid temps. I w- it was I was out there for like an easy run. And I, I seriously thought I was the only one out there until one runner crossed paths with me and all he said was, like, good work out there. <laughs> I just like zoned that out because, you know, it's like it's cold and like the last thing you want to do is be out on a run and like the, and then you see a person running towards you and all he said is, good work out there. I'm like, buddy, I know it's, it's cold. I get it.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, for real man. It is uh yeah, it, it's definitely it's a whole different beast. I feel like it's so much harder to like get like a good rhythm because like your muscles are cold and it just like sucks and then if you add wind into it, it's just like a whole different kind of thing. But I think it like it's good too because it probably builds some mental toughness. I mean, like do you feel like uh it helps you to like really hone in on kind of like your your mental skill sets out there?
0: Um uh, yeah. Yeah, like, especially, like, um. also, like, I work as a carrier here in downtown Chicago delivering stuff, so we work in all the elements, so I'm, like, already used to this, where it's, like, you know, if, if somebody's, like, oh, are you cold? I'm, like, no, I'm, I'm used to this, like, I'm, you know, my job is, you know, working as a carrier here in Chicago, so it's not, it's almost the same, but with running, yeah, it's a little bit more, like. You need a little bit more car, you know, like oh, motivation to get out there compared to like me going out for um, delivering packages and stuff one day a week. Yeah,
1: it's yeah, basically... for sure. I mean, even even getting out there and working though, mad respect, man. I mean, I I have like an office job, so it's uh, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm just in like climate controlled areas. So like you're out there in the elements, man. That's that's freaking good on you, my friend.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, so here's uh, so how many years have you been running? Like how many years?
1: yeah, so I've been running like a, almost almost uh four years now, so just a little under four, almost about like three years. and uh, I really started, yeah, only four years ago, which is crazy because like if you asked me, you know in in high school or uh, middle school or even in college if if I'd ever, um, you know, consider going into running and and really doing it as an everyday thing and taking it super seriously and, uh, doing what I do now, I would have totally just like laughed in your face like, because I kind of went through this whole transformation and journey, um, into running, so to say. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's thing that's still relatively new to me. Um, but man, I love it so much and I, I can see myself doing this for the rest of my life. So it's super cool.
0: So back in college when you were when you're going to Penn State, you never thought about like running collegiate?
1: Oh no. I, and and <laughs> yeah. I mean I, I, I couldn't even have the capabilities. Like I, I didn't even play any sports in high school except for golf. Like literally all I played was golf in high school and I was on the varsity team. Um, but even then I didn't really take it seriously. I mean, I just kind of just did it to do it and you know, I, I, I just never really was an athletic kid. And it wasn't that like, I didn't want to play sports. It was that I had this kind of belief that I was like, Oh, I just don't have the capabilities or the skill sets to do that. Because every time in gym class, I was always picked last for whatever pickup game we were doing. I would always get laughed at every time we played, you know, touch football out on like recess and stuff like that. And, uh, I, I just never really was that athletic kid. And so, because I had that belief, I just never, I never even considered it in the realm of possibility to even, you know, even, even just run for fun in college. Right. Like, you know, so, so the fact that, you know, going collegiate like that, I just never thought that would be even possible to even like entertain that thought just cause I, I was so hopelessly unathletic, which was, you know, pretty, pretty nuts to say now, but, uh, yeah man i i was if you saw me like just my athletic ability back then you'd be like oh man there there is no hope for this kid
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's crazy that like all the podcasts that i've been listening to and hearing people's like journey into running either like collegiate or not it's very interesting to hear like a lot Mm
1: -hmm, yeah i appreciate that a ton man and it's like you know it's something that uh i really try to say not from a place of like there's anything special about me because I think to your point it's it's common to hear in ultra running or for any sport for that matter right that usually like the people who are really good at that sport have been doing this thing for most of their life, whether they started in middle school or high school, like they started really early on in their age. And so they have like years of experience. And a lot of people think it's like, oh, well, because of this, that's why they're so good. So if like you're in a position like me where I was, you know, 20, 24, maybe like, yeah, 24, 23, 24, when I started to run and like you know, you want to have big goals and dreams and like wanting to do all these things, even like run a hundred miles, right? You're like, oh, well, I don't have any of this past experience. So like, why should I even try? And mm-hmm. something inside of me just really started to realize that like the only limitation that we have is not how athletic or unathletic we were growing up. It's the stories that we tell ourselves. Exactly, yeah. if we can tell ourselves that the human element is to adapt which it is humans are meant to adapt and we're willing to learn and grow and push ourselves then you can do anything you want you can become anything you want you can be as athletic you want like you really can like you know a lot of these things aren't fixed traits and i had to go through this whole process of you know really breaking that down internally for me just so i could put myself out to what i'm doing today and my whole mission, you know, around Everyday Ultra, around what I do running, around all the content I post is to hopefully inspire people to say, hey, you know, where you are now does not define where you can be and you can be anything you want, despite what your background is. And so I appreciate you saying that just because like that's like the mission of what I try to do in literally every single piece of content that I put out there.
0: Yeah, man. Who's that? Because for, with me, um, I got into running like in my mid 30s. Uh, oh, wow. That's mid- awesome. Yeah. Never, never ran in, you know, in college or high school. Um, I was a big photography nerd, uh, really into snowboarding a lot. And yeah, like if you asked me like, Hey, would you run 34 miles? I would just be like laughing at your face. Like, like, like like there's no way I could do that. But, you know, and then, you know, like I said, like I got into running in my mid thirties, I'm 37 now and I'm still, you know, trying to, chase these big goals you know and mm-hmm. and you're you're right there, 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 you know there is no like limit where you know you can chase these big goals you know you could you could be like what like you know you could be any age and chase them goals
1: mm-hmm. right. yeah dude and good on you man for like keep on keeping at it at like 37 like that's that is so so cool it's so awesome like I think it that that's just so inspiring, right? Because I think a lot of times, to your point, like it's it's never too late to start. And I think we're living in an age like where we see 24, like I I shouldn't say we see, but it's easy to see 24 as 25 as like old, right? It's like too late, which is just crazy, right? And yeah. so like, I even think 37 is still young. Like I th- hell, I think 50, 60 is still young. Like, you know, you could potentially have 30 40 years left in your life at that point so um good on you man for for you know sticking it out there like at, a, at an older age because you're right man it's never too late to start like anyone can start at any time um you just gotta you just gotta start taking action and doing it and, and stop letting that that brain telling you what you can or can't do based on what society is telling you to do
0: yeah exactly like you know it, um i mean in all in the ultra running world like there are the age difference is very, very interesting to to see, especially when I like, when I register for a race, and mm-hmm. I see and I see the list of like who registered. You have people from like uh, early seventies to like the youngest It's, like six, like eighteen years old register, Ooh, and it's yeah. crazy to see that big big difference with the age group. And it's like, yeah, like you know, I I I don't know these people, but maybe it's their first. 50 miler or first you know 50k or something like that and you know it doesn't matter what age you are because well you know you can still do these crazy things and hard things no matter what age you are
1: yeah i love that man that's so awesome like you know i i think the cliche saying is like age is just a number and i kind of do agree with that like it's you know I really don't think it's the age that defines us. It's the beliefs that we have about ourselves. And if the beliefs that we have about ourselves are limiting, then therefore, you know, 25 is going to be a limiting age if you believe it to be so. But if you believe 25 is just a number and that doesn't define what you can or can't do, then then you're right. And so it's not the age that defines you. It's the belief about that age or the belief about yourself that really defines, you know, what you can and can't do at any given moment in life. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And also I got to correct my age. I'm sorry about that. I'm 38 now. My my first 50K, I was 37.
1: <laughs> there you go. No, yeah. that's awesome, man. Yeah. So young. I love it.
0: Yeah. And it who's that? it's crazy that we're in this topic right now before I move on to the next question. It's crazy that uh, I, I'm saying this because in my first 50K, I, I remember during the race, a 25 year old was ahead of me. Like, like mm. he was like, he was like, like a mile ahead of me and then I caught up to him around like mile 25 and he was cooked and I was like I was so like perfect you know everything was doing great and he was like uh and then he that the first thing he tells me when he looked at me he's like you actually caught up to me and I was like yes I did <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe... sometimes you got to put the youngsters in their place
0: yeah it's because like he you know he went off pretty hard at the start and I was like all right I'll catch you at the back end of the race. And there you go. I caught yeah. him at the back end of the race. And then, yeah, that's like the first thing he he said to me when he looked at me, he's like, you finally caught me. And I was like, what can I do, man?
1: That's awesome. <laughs> can, that, that's yeah. so so cool.
0: So, um, so uh, here's another thing I was listening. I was listening to the episode about uh, heart rate training. Mm-hmm. Can you, um, I'm doing heart rate training right now prepping for, uh, for next year for, um, for 50 miler. I just (laughs) want to know what is your, um, what, what is your goal about, about heart rate training?
1: yeah no and thanks so much for listening to the podcast man i appreciate it and super stoked to hear you you're throwing your hat in the ring for a 50 miler that is so so awesome like that's like i I feel like that's where like ultra running like starts to get real fun like i just uh, at least for me like it's just um it's a super cool uh race to be in so i'm stoked for you so yeah my my philosophy on heart rate training and, and this is like really different for anyone there's no right or wrong way of doing it i think it all depends on the type of person you are and what you prefer. And so I'll just kind of preface that when I kind of talk about my philosophy, because I really think, you know, it's all personal preference. So for me, I do all of my training based on feel and perceived effort. And so basically, what that means is perceived effort is, you know, how hard you think you're going or you feel like you're going on a scale of one to 10. So for example, like I, a lot of my runs are based off of that intensity. So for example, like today I had a run. And this morning it was uh, run at uh, an easy pace at a two out of three perceived effort out of 10. And that's like pretty easy, right? Like two out of three out of 10 is really, really easy. So in that regards, I just go based on feel. Now, that doesn't mean going on heart rate or anything. And in fact, I never look at my heart rate once during the workout. I just go simply how I feel. And so um, if I'm feeling good, like, if I'm feeling at a 2 to 3 that's what I'm going to go out on that day and I'm not even going to look at my heart rate now I still look at my heart rate but only after the workout and the reason why I do that is because if I look at it during my like perceived effort thing some days you might feel like you know you're going way easier or uh, or sorry some days you might feel like you're going at the same perceived effort but your heart rate might be higher whether it's you have you know less sleep the night before or maybe you're not as hydrated as well or any of those things and you know that might get in your head and be like well i'm going to take it a little slower when if you feel good like you should probably just keep going in that regards um conversely though like if you maybe are going like really like you're feeling like you're pushing really hard, but your heart rate's like pretty low, then, you know, still that's again, like it's, it's just almost like this mitch match. And like, I really like going on feel a lot more than I do heart rate, just because I feel like heart rate can conflict with how I'm feeling in the moment. And that's for me, what works best for me now, what works best for some other people. And I'm curious if this is the same approach that you're taking is, you know, some people will base their workouts on heart rate specifically. So they'll say, Hey, I'm only going to do this run at below 140 BPM, and you're going to be looking at your heart rate you're going to be measuring it and you're going to be saying hey like you know i'm never going to let my heart rate go above 140 and that's totally fine um i just like to take the approach of perceived effort just because you know for me um you know i do have a pretty busy lifestyle and i know my heart rate data can't always isn't always a good accuracy of how i feel and if i feel like i can push a good pace even though my heart rate's a little high. You know, I'd rather take that. And so um, that's just the way that I do it personally. Um, I still think viewing your heart rate afterwards is better. And just to kind of close the loop on that, because I know I mentioned that and kind of tailed off, but looking at your heart rate after the fact is great because you can start to see, right, that if your heart rate is dropping at a given perceived effort, you're getting fitter. And so what I mean by that is, let's just say, you know, six months ago, I would run a two out of three perceived effort and my heart rate was 140. And then six months later, if I'm running that same perceived effort and then I pull up my heart rate data and I see that my heart rate is now 130, like that's awesome. Like that means like I'm making some good progress, right? And so um, I always look at it after the fact, to really measure how fit i am at a person at a, a given perceived effort but i never look at it during my uh workout um and dictate those kind of things so that's kind of the strategy that i take with it and again i think you got to like assess like what's best for you what do you like more um what what works best for your training and your style um and that's what i've just found works better for me and you know i found my fitness has just greatly exploded because of this at least for me yeah
0: so with me what i do is i do look at heart rate when i'm training uh I do a lot of like, uh, aerobic, um, easy miles a lot. Um, and also like, um, I have a busy, like a busy scheduled life as well. You know, I work as a carrier one day a week. Uh, I work at Hoka. Uh, um, oh, nice. yeah, I work at Hoka for, I think five days out of the week and then, you know, then then personal life. So with that, you know, with all the stressors in life and stuff like that, I also put that into play when I'm training just to see how I feel, how many hours I slept. Like I try to get between eight to seven hours of sleep every night. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, but yes, so with the with, with heart rate training, I do look at heart rate, like for most of my runs, I try to keep it like in zone one or two, mm-hmm. uh, mostly in zone one, because I like to build up. I, I, for the 50 miler, I do want to build up a really strong aerobic engine for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have one day of really hard effort which is uh, I do a tempo so like this week I did a four mile tempo keeping at threshold pace so for that the heart rate is anything from 150 to 163 mm-hmm. I was in the middle of that zone and I felt to, to be honest with you it was my first time ever in my years of running so far that I did a workout without breathing really, really hard. I actually, mm. my breath, yeah, my breathing was controlled. And I, I was like, wow, this is the first time I ever felt like I don't have to stop for a workout because it's so hard. And it was actually, yeah, it, it, the workout ended up being smooth and I didn't feel tired at all at the end of the workout.
1: That's, That's awesome, why. man. Good for you.
0: Yeah. And, and I was like, I want to say thank you to all the aerobic uh, easy miles. Like all the easy miles that I've been doing, because also what I was really hooked on was Killian Killian Jornet's, uh training and mm. how he and how he trains and stuff like that. And he actually, like, I want to ask you, how do you like? What do you think about his his way of training when he put it out there into the into the social media world and everything like that? And yeah. yeah, yeah. I, wa- I want to know how you feel about when you saw that.
1: Yeah, no, that was a groundbreaking article for sure. And I think it really just shattered a lot of, you know, perceived uh, notions about training that a lot of people thought were true, or I should say optimal. Um, I, I think Killian, I mean, he, Killian is the greatest ultra runner of our time. I, I really believe that to my heart. And yeah. if, you know, at least in my opinion, I think he's the greatest <laughs> runner, ultra runner of our time for sure. Um, and I think he solidified that this year, you know, just given his in, incredible continued performance. I mean, Hard Rock and UTMB course re- or course records back to back. I mean, it's just... Tagama? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just, um, it's just unbelievable. But I, I think it, I... I really liked Killian's approach because it really focused on like efficiency. And I think a lot of times in ultra running, people tend to do a lot more or worry about a lot more than they really should. Um, and that's fine. Like, it's fine to to worry about like the data and all these kind of things, but you know, sometimes like you'll see people run, you know, set eight to nine hour training runs. When if you looked at Killian's training plan, like the longest he ever trains for is four hours. Four like hours, until, yeah 4, yeah, hours, four yeah. hours and so and like that's for me too like I've never I never went over a 4 hour um training run during my lead up to Haveline 100 and so um and and my programming was from Zach Bitter too so I'm not saying that I you know did that on my own volition. It's just, it's, I think, I think we're starting to see the true secrets of training and it's more so efficiency as opposed to like volume or, you know, putting in the work or everything like that. And so, um, I think, you know, what Killian's article really did was I think it just opened a lot of people's eyes to how efficient that you can get in training. And it's not just about the volume or the time on feet or any of those things. Um, I think it's just all about being deadly efficient. And I think that's why he's just so damn good. Um, so, yeah, man. it w- it was a cool article, and it got me thinking a lot more about being efficient. What about you? what were what were your thoughts on uh, on his whole training approach when that came out
0: my My thoughts about it was like it opened my eyes because when I was training for my um uh, my half marathon this year, I ended up getting hurt twice during the process mm-hmm. because of like really like hard workouts. There was like I did a lot of hard workouts, and then there was none. Like, I took my easy runs not as easy as I thought I should be. Mm. And that led to, like, you know, be me being tired for, like, the next workout. And then when I did the hard workouts, I wasn't as, like, recovered from the easy run because I thought I was doing my easy run easy. And then when I did the, you know, my hard, my hard workouts, I was having a hard time trying to finish that workout. Mm. And then that led into me getting hurt. Like, I, I, I hurt um, – I was – having something uh, with my knee and I was like, okay, like after this ha- half marathon, I'm gonna change up my my training. And then when I read the article with Killian Journey, he specifically said it, he barely spent his time in zone, what is it? Five, zone yeah. five and stuff like that because it would eventually end up him being, getting hurt or injured. And he said he focused on a lot of volume of like zone one and two. So when I was training for my fifty k, I was mainly focusing on staying between like the zone one and zone two method, and it totally worked. Uh, heading into my fifty k, I didn't get hurt once. Mm. I I finished my workouts perfectly fine. Not tired. Not like sorry. Like not, not like oh I you know I'm so exhausted I can't do the next workout. It was like also like uh, uh, yeah basically like. I didn't do a lot of hard workouts my last training block. It was a lot of like like time on your feet and a lot of easy runs that I would say it did work out for my first 50K because my first 50K landed me a top 10 spot. And I mm. never, yeah, I never ran a marathon or anything. I literally went from running 13.1 to running 34 miles.
1: Hell yeah, that's <laughs> the way to do it. That is awesome. <laughs> so, Good on you, that is amazing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I, yeah, I love his, uh, his method of training and that's what I'm doing now too and heading into the 50 miler, except whatever, whatever I did wrong to in the 50 K, I'm actually trying to improve uh, during the training here in in this training block with nutrition and focusing on more on core and strength workouts as well
1: nice yeah dude and good good for you for like really thinking in on um you know realizing you're saying like yeah like my easy runs weren't as easy and i was kind of doing the workouts and everything and kind of just being mindful of that because i think like to your point like i think it's so easy no pun intended. So easy for us to think that um, our easy workouts are easy when in reality they're not. We're pushing ourselves way harder than we think we are. And so, so really cool to see that you realize that because I think that's something that a lot of people usually never realize along the way, um, but can lead to to great benefits. Like to your point, like you were able to go from 13 to, to 34, which is just like that's a huge jump, man. And you got at the top benefit, <laughs> like you like you said there, man. So I really want to highlight that and just say kudos to you.
0: Yeah, I uh, actually it's funny. My I was talking to my coach the other week. She was like, "That is such a great uh, way to enter the fifty miler, getting top ten at your first fifty k, because then, right now, you could actually like um, see yourself to how to position yourself in a good you know spot for your fifty miler." But the thing is, you know, I was like, "Yeah, I could," but the thing is, like, you never know what could happen during race day. So I don't want to kind of like jinx that in a way, but my coach was saying like, yeah, you did, you know, really good. And it's a good introduction heading into 50 miler with placing top 10 at your first, at your first 50 K, which I mean, you know, like the normal runner that went from, you know, that's going from 13.1 to 50 uh, K, you know. I hear a lot of horrific stories about them not finishing and stuff like that. Mm. Luckily enough, I did focus a lot on my training, and it landed me a good spot. And now I am very excited to push myself now into a fifty miler, which is yeah, it's a crazy number to to think about when you're when you're thinking about it in your head. Like how, like I said the same thing when I ran my fifty k. Like how can I how can I run thirty one miles? And now I'm doing the same thing. Like how can I run how can I run
1: fifty miles? Mm, but but I it's it's so cool to see you going for it, right? And like like to your point too, it's like uh, I love how you said like when you were going to that fifty k and you were thinking how am I gonna run thirty miles and you're kind of having that same thought now. It's so cool to see like now you have that experience to say you know. Oh, I once thought like the thirty miles was like way too long. And look, I was able to do it and get a top ten finish, which is incredible, by the way. And then now you can take that mindset into that fifty miler and be like, oh, I've thought this before, so I know I can crush it in there. So you kind of give your give yourself like a little confidence boost to have that in there. And so uh, that man, that's that's freaking awesome, man. No doubt you're gonna crush this fifty with with that attitude and mindset.
0: Yeah, and then also like the the field is a little bit bigger. Last time I checked, there's like a five hundred and one people signed up for it. Oh, so wow. yeah it's it's ice age i don't know if you heard about it yeah
1: oh yeah yeah yep. that's
0: the that's the one i'm doing and here in wisconsin Lagrange. grange
1: <laughs> oh yeah i've been on that trail many times It's that is an awesome trail
0: yeah i can't wait can't wait for it i can't wait to be out there um but yeah like i look at the field and i am almost like that is triple the amount of people <laughs> compared to the 50k because <laughs> there's only 40 people that signed up for it and this is like like triple amount of people, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's, uh, I can't wait. But, uh so the next question is, have you ever had a Chicago hot dog?
1: Have I ever had a Chicago hot dog? So, Yes, but I don't remember it. So, um, I actually did live in Chicago for a summer as an intern, um, at a trading company. This is way back in college, junior year in uh, college. And the only time I had a Chicago dog, it was, um, at Portillo's, but I don't remember <laughs> it because it was after a Cubs game. And we, you know, we, we had a grand old time. And back in my old days, man, when it wasn't running, it was drinking for me. Um, I've since, I've since gone sober, I'm, I haven't had a drink. In, in five years now which is awesome but uh back then i used to to partake pretty heavily and so that night was uh especially heavily and i did have a chicago dog but i can't even tell you what it tastes like because i just quite frankly don't remember yeah.
0: hey uh kudos to you man i uh, i quit drinking like a long time ago as well like i think it was like more than five years as well uh same thing like i was like back in my early 20s i was a heavily drinker as well and uh, Y'all remember half of the things I ate because I used to work as a barback, uh, you know, every weekend at my friend's bar, and we will go out to eat at 5 a.m. And I could tell you this the same thing as you I don't remember half the things I ate, or yeah. <laughs> because it's like you're so, you know, you're so like in your own world, you don't remember like anything or what's going on around you, but but yeah, man, k- kudos to you about. You know, sobering up and stuff like that. I I'm really happy when I hear people um, like tell me those stories that like they went from drinking a lot to just being a better version of them now.
1: Mm. Hey, well, you're included in there too, man. Like, yeah, like congrats to you for for going the sober route and everything. And you know, I, I appreciate you saying that. I think you know, and and again, this is something that works for me. It's not like I I see lesser of anyone who drinks alcohol or anything like that. It's a, it's always a personal choice and everything. For me, I just saw it as You know, I was drinking so heavily because I was just, quite frankly, just really unhappy with my life. And I was using it as a way to just um, really mask uh, all the things that made me uncomfortable in life. And like I would drink to the point where I just wouldn't even like feel anything. Like I just didn't want to feel the miserable feelings that I felt. And it was only until I was able to really confront those feelings in a sober way where I was able to actually tackle them. And once I was able to tackle those things, that's when you realize, oh, I don't need the alcohol anymore. And, you know, I can kind of enjoy my life as is. And, you know, again, like I'm not demonizing anyone who does use alcohol for that. But for me, it just um, it's very empowering to me to be able to to go out and and enjoy life like without this um you know without needing to lean on alcohol for everything too and plus like i just feel so much better like you know i sleep so much better i you know i'm more productive on my weekends i'm not waking over hungover as hell and it's um it's been one of the best decisions of my life for sure and you know a lot of people ask do you ever think about going back and i i just don't don't see an don't see a reason to so uh yeah it's been it's been such a positive change in my life for sure and it really only started just with the one month experiment like i was like i'm gonna go one month sober and just to cleanse myself and i felt so good that i was like you know what i'm gonna go another month and i felt so good after that second month i was like you know what? let's go let's go three months and then i just you know that that let's go another month has kind of just carried on for the past five years which has been uh super super cool yeah that's uh,
0: yeah kudos to you man like um before I move on to the next question, I did the same thing. I was like, okay, uh, my last drink, I gave it away, and my last pack of smoke. I actually quit smoking at the same time.
1: Oh, I nice! Drinking.
0: I I gave away everything, and after that, I was like, okay, I'm gonna do one month. Same thing as you, like one month. Okay, two months. Okay, three months, and then it just goes on from there. But um, yeah, like I I don't miss any of those like blackouts where I don't know how I ended up going home and having everything in my pockets at the same time Mm,
1: yes i
0: don't miss those nights
1: (laughs) yeah for sure things things tend to get lost a lot more when when you're out there drunk (laughs) i know i've been there too yeah all
0: right so the the next question um what is your recent highs and lows uh it, it could be either a race or just in general like what any recent highs and lows here
1: Yeah. hundred percent. I mean like the recent highs, I mean like I'm still riding off the high of Javelina hundred. I mean, that was just, um, man, that was just one of the coolest experiences of my life. Like not just the race itself, but just like what that race meant to me. Um, so for, for those listening who are kind of unfamiliar of like my, my kind of like journey into Javelina. So um, I started running like three years ago and then really started venturing into, um, you know, I did like a few ultras. To start. Then I went into like the Ironman world and was doing like triathlons and stuff like that. And I hated biking and swimming so much that I was just like, I just want to run. And so that's what got me back into the ultra world. And, um, I really was like stoked on this goal of like running a hundred miles and I completed my first hundred miler in April. And, um, I, when I went into that hundred miler, like it never like scared the crap out of me. And for me, I've always said, like when I set goals, like I want to like be terrified of it because I know that that's going to require um, me to push myself to really just challenge my own beliefs and to level up to a level that I'm currently not at. Cause if you're scared of a goal, like it means you're going to have to level up big time. And I know that every single goal that has been so massively positive in my life um, were the ones that scared the crap out of me. And when I really went from my for a hundred miler, I wasn't that scared. Like I, I knew without a shadow of a doubt I was going to finish. I was like, and and granted, I know that's like naive because anything can happen in a hundred miles now, but um, I I just wasn't scared by it. Like I just, I, I knew I was going to finish it. And so I had to probe deep in myself and be like, okay, like what, what would scare me? And I said, well, you know, go, let's go in a really competitive hundred miler. Would that scare you? Like, all right, a hundred, like that's really, really competitive. One of the most competitive in, in arguably the world. And uh, I said, yeah, it's kind of scary. And I was like, all right, well, what if I like, you know, place in my age group? And it's like, okay, yeah. Like, it's like, well, what if you can like go for the golden ticket? And I was like, okay. Like then you start feeling the stomach churning a little bit. And as soon as I start to feel that fear coming at me, I was like, okay, that's it. That's the goal. And so my, like from June to, to September, man, I was just dead focused on getting the golden ticket at Havelina. And like, that was just like my goal. And I worked so hard and like the high for me was just like being able to just go through that training and just make the improvements that i did like i was on that Havelina 100 course every weekend um like i was like the local legend on the Havelina loop (laughs) i think like 20 like i think it was like 20 segments i was like leading like and like i just really just wanted to to do my best to really see what I can do in that course. And I had this dream and belief and knew that I could do it deep down, even though like the odds are stacked against me, right? Like I was going up against Dakota Jones. I was going up against Patrick Reagan, the uh, previous course record holder, Arlen Glick who had won it the year before at, you know, just over 13 hours. Like, you're going up against some big big people and so uh when race day came it was so cool because like I got to finish like top ten uh male which was amazing and like granted sure like you know I didn't hit my goal of of top two but like in the end of the day I think like hey like to bring it back to the where we started the conversation, man, like I was so unathletic in high school. I didn't even think I could run one mile. And here I am, you know, top 10 male at one of the most competitive hundred milers in, in arguably the world. And like, Just knowing that, man, has just been such a high, and like it's it's really just propelled me to like believe in myself so much more. And I'm just like super, super stoked. And I see like the inspiration that it like gives off in other people too. Like other people see that and they they get excited about like the potential that they can do. And that's really in the end of the day the the most important thing for me. And like the podcast has just you know really been touching a lot of people through that messaging, and um that that's been the high for me for sure. So I know long-winded answer, but like man, like that's been the high, the low for me though, is I'm actually dealing with a little bit of an injury right now. Um, and quite frankly, I've been dealing with this injury for like seven months and I've only decided to, to be smart about it like two weeks ago and start treating it. And so, um, yeah, I'm dealing with an injury called high hamstring tendinopathy. And so basically it's like the area where my hamstring attaches to the sit bone, um, is okay. totally inflamed and it, it flares up all the time. It's been flaring up for the past eight months and I've just kind of ignored it and ran on it, which was so stupid. And, uh, now I just try to really be serious about it and I'm going through a rehab program, but, um, yeah, it's kind of frustrating. Cause like I've had to modify my training a little bit and I can't do as many speed sessions, which, um, you know, I was really looking forward to do going into black Canyon, which is my next race. Um, so that's been a low point for sure. But you know, I I think uh it's the ebbs and flows of of ultra running. Like, you know, there there they're gonna be times where you know your body's not gonna feel right. There's gonna be times where you need to assess and pivot and adapt. So um I'm really thankful that I can still run because that's been great. Like I'm putting in, you know, 70 mile weeks, which is still great. Um but you know it's it's still um, still crappy like, to just you know not feel fresh out there. So that's been kind of the low. But we're definitely on the up and up. I've been doing a rehab program and uh, it's going well so far.
0: Oh yeah, and uh, so with the with your um, your top ten here, Havelina, have you ever have a thought in your head about even competing in a high caliber race like UTMB?
1: Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Oh yeah. 1 million percent. Um, it's interesting. So I kind of have like in my phone, all the big goals that I want to do every single year for the next 10 years. And so for me, and now granted, like, it's not like a set in stone roadmap. If things change, sure. I will change them. Um, I would like to do UTMB, um, not next year, but the year after, like, I think, uh, two years from now, UTMB would be awesome. And I definitely want to throw my hat in the ring for sure. Um, I really want to go for Western States first, like Western States. I want to do before UTMB for sure. Um, just because man, like that, like, I remember reading about that race in, uh, Dean Karnas's ultra marathon, man. And it was, Man, it just like, I don't know what it was like, and I think it, it it's the same thing that draws so many people to that race. It's like, I, I just want to be there and I want to race that and experience that. And so uh, I really want to do Western first, but yeah, you can bet without, without a shadow of a doubt, I'm going to go for UTMB. So, uh, probably next year I'll do like more of the, like, um, you know, UTMB series, hundred mile races. I mean, I'm doing canyons hundred K this year, which technically, you know, if you get top 10, you get into CCC, but I probably wouldn't go for CCC this year. Um, cause I really want to do, if I'm going out to Chamonix, I'm going to be doing UTMB. And I want to, I want to put myself out there, which that is, that's going to require even more talent than Javelina for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, same here, same here. I, I, it is in the hat of me chasing my UTMB as well. Mm. Um, what else? What, what, what else was I about to say? Oh yeah. So yeah, with that, it's like yeah, it's crazy to to see yourself in that in that situation where you're going against like one of the best runners in the world in one place at the same time. <laughs> like it's just crazy to think about that, and it's it's crazy that like you know like to chase these goals, you need to go all in, and you know like you said, anything could happen between you know any day or or anything like that but yeah it's uh yeah i can't wait for that um so here's the other question it's a random question three three things you can't leave your house before a run
1: (laughs) before a run ooh, that's a good question three things that i can't leave the house with before a run yeah uh and then i it can't be essential stuff right like so just like three just random stuff um three so um, number one number one's my naked belt for sure I love that thing. That thing is amazing. If I don't have my naked belt, I get so pissed because I either have to wear a pack or I have to like carry my keys and like all my stuff with me. And I just, I, I, ah, oh man, I don't know what it is. I just don't like it. So, like, definitely a naked belt like that. If you've never run in a naked belt, like anyone listening here or even you, John, like it is life changing. Like that thing is just so cool. Like, I, um, uh, I got turned on to it from Adam Peterman. Um, when I went on, uh, with a run with him last summer and he was wearing it and I was like, dude, I need to get me one of those. And I got one and it's, it's amazing. So definitely the naked belt for sure. Um, the second thing too, is I usually always bring like a goo packet with me and I, I really don't like to go out there without it because sometimes like whether maybe I didn't eat enough the day before or something like that, like, man, like when you get bonky on a run, it just, it sucks. Like, it's just, it's, it's just not fun we've all experienced it before. And so I like to have like an emergency goo with me just in case I need to like pop pop one in just to like bring me back to life out there for sure. Um, so that's definitely the second thing. The third thing is my phone. Like I will never, ever, 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 ever go on a run without my phone. Not because like I need it for like social media purposes or pictures or anything like that. But um, I have a tendency to get lost on trails that I'm not familiar with. And if I didn't have my phone, there is no way in hell that I'd probably be here right now. I'd probably still be either stuck or dead in the mountains of like Wyoming or something like that. And so um, I use the phone always for, for GPS. So there's there's my my three starter pack right there. It's the the naked belt, an emergency goo, and my phone. And uh, yeah, I'm on a run with those all the time, all the time.
0: It's funny that you said about the naked belt because I actually have one.
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so you know how amazing it is.
0: It is. It, I got hooked when I saw Scott Tracer using it
1: oh yeah Uh, yeah
0: yeah i was hooked. i was like what is that thing around his waist and i looked it up and i was like wow you could uh when i first saw it i i youtube it naked belt and i see people reviewing about it and you could fit all these things in it and i was like that's what i want i because like i used to do a pack and i hate i don't hate it i just it just i just find it a little bit annoying when you're going out for a run you just have like A flat, your flask, your keys, your phone, just jiggling in there. Yes. And I was like, okay, let me find something that I could, you know, that is a bit better than a pack. And I I discovered the naked belt. And then my friend got, my friend actually had one. And he's like, hey, do you want one? Because I got an extra one. I was like, yeah, sure.
1: Hell yeah.
0: yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. So I got one from him and then like, it changed my life. I never leave the house with it. Um, I always use it for all my runs. And I love the freedom of like not worrying about like my keys because my you know, there's like a key loop in there. Mm. Uh there's a there's a back pocket where you can put your phone and you know you could put your flask in there. Yeah, it's a game changer for sure. I totally love my naked belt.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm glad to hear you're on the same train as me because yeah, it is it is life changing. Like I don't know how the hell I ran without it before. Like it is uh it is incredible for sure. And yeah, shout out Scott. Like Scott is that dude, uh, you know, he he rocks. I think he. I don't know. I know he's like big onto the naked products and everything too. But he's doing a great job of putting that out into the uh, putting out into the universe. So shout out uh, Scott, uh, another another Phoenix runner here, and just an all around amazing dude.
0: Yeah. So here's another question. This might be a hard one for you. Uh, top three favorite trail runners. It could be both male and female, or you could do a top three males and top three females.
1: Oh man. <laughs> top three males and top three females. Yeah. I, I gotta, I gotta do top three males and females for sure. Um, Oh man, the top three males. I mean, I think, I think number one, just for me, like all timer is like Scott Jurek. Like I, he's the reason that really drew me into ultra running for sure. And, um, like I, I read born to run and I read eat and run and I read North and like, I just been, I, I love like, not just, what Scott jerk did for the sport, just being so dominant, but like, he's got such an awesome mindset about it. Like he's not this like, you know, David Goggins like mentality and trust me, don't get me wrong. Like I, I love Goggins and everything, <laughs> but like, I, I feel like, um like, like Scott has a very artful approach to our ultra running. And I think when you have that artful approach to it, like you, you are able to embrace it as masterfully as he's done over his career. And so I love Scott. He's got to be my number one. Number two for sure is Adam Peterman, man. I mean, and I've had the 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 you know uh, the privilege of just you know getting to know him a lot better over the years, and um, you know he's a friend of mine too. And uh, but like he is just so impressive, man. I mean, like it's just amazing to see him like taking on these ultra distances for the first time, whether it's 50k, 100k, 100 miler, and just dominating. I mean, like like not even just like going out there and like crushing, it, but like like dominating it. I mean, like it is just. It is just unbelievable, like how awesome he's, you know, just been been doing out there. And I just, and when you talk to him too, he's like the most humble guy, like just totally, just down to earth, really, really nice dude. Um, but man, like it, it's 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 just so cool to just see someone who's like new in the distance going out and just tear it up. And so, um, and again, he's just a, he's a good friend of mine. So um, Adam Peterman definitely is number two. Number three is really a, a, a tough one for me, but I think right now I, I gotta say it's Arlen Glick. I love Arlen. I, um, again, someone who I got to know a little bit more at, Havelina this year, we, we were hanging out and, and got a few meals together, but Oh man, he's just awesome. Like I I like the way he's able to load his race schedule up with so many hundred milers in a year and still perform at the level that he does is incredible. Um and not only, I mean he's shown that he's pretty ubiquitous too. Like he can do not only the flat stuff but you know, he came in second at Run Rabbit Run which is, you know, no uh, you know, it's 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 no Hovellina 100. So I I really admire like Arlen's ability to like I think he's just such like a running purist and he just really loves running so, so much that he just has it in there, but he also has this competitive nature to him as well. Um, and I, and I respect anyone who can balance both the competitive side and, and the, um, the art of running in a masterful way. So I got to say Arlen's number three. So that's my top three for males um, for females. Uh, number one's Abby Hall. I think she's just, uh, I mean, just in like, her podcast interview that I did with her probably is one of my favorites that I've ever done. Um, and she's just got such an awesome mentality about the sport again. Like she's very much um, you know, approaches it as an art focuses at like the the mentality around it, but also too, she's focused on continuous improvement all the time and setting big goals and stretching herself. And I just, I love that. And she does it in a humble way. So Abby Hall has got to be my number one for sure. Um, number two, I mean, you got, yeah, you got to go with Courtney on this one. I mean, you know, I think that speaks for herself. I mean, Courtney's track record is just, uh, just absolutely unbelievable. I mean, to see what she's been able to do like over her career is, is, is um it, it's astonishing. It's, it really is something that is just marvelous to watch out there. I mean, she's, she basically wins almost like every race that she's on. She's got some FKTs and she's just, uh just absolutely crushing it out there. So man kudos to her and then i think number three for me um for females oh god the number three is a tough spot but you know i'm gonna i'm gonna go with uh oh man this one's oh man i don't even know who i put number three maybe maybe it's I, i would i'm inclined to say annie hughes i mean she's just had the most incredible 2022 of I think any female runner this year. Um, So uh, I got to go with Annie Hughes at number three and she's, she's a really nice person too. So uh, long-winded answers, but those are my top three male and female for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, my, my top, I put Annie Hughes as well as well for the females, Abby Hall. Uh, mine was like Mariana Hogan.
1: Oh, uh, she's great. Yeah.
0: And then for the, for the males was, yeah, Adam, I got Adam Peterman in there. I got Dakota Jones and oh, yeah. and, and um, Killian. Of course, I have to put Killian. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know the whole sport of uh, the ultra running, but uh, within like my first full year of doing it, I would put Killian as well in, into the hat of mine. Uh, top three and top three men and then top three women. That's my that's for me for this year. I love it.
1: <laughs> yeah, Marianne's amazing, and so is Killian too. And and I, I think it's a great list. And I, I just want to say too, like you know uh, hopefully any ultra runners listening, it doesn't mean that I, I like one better than the other for <laughs> sure. Those are the ones that I just like really resonate with, I think the most. And so, uh, or, or at least the ones who, you know, really, really, I just, uh, I don't want to say see a lot of myself in, cause that kind of sounds a little cocky, but like, it's almost like the personality kind of qualities I want to really embody in my own running. And so uh, there's so many good runners out there. There's, it's a really hard conversation for sure. Yeah. So, uh,
0: so here we go before we wrap this up. We got two more here for you. Um, any, uh, events that you're looking forward to for 2023?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. So I, I think two, two big ones for sure. Um, I got black Canyon hundred K coming up in about a month and a half now. And so obviously another golden ticket race. Um, it's my first time actually racing a hundred K I've never raced a hundred K before. So this will be my first time. Um, but yeah, I want to go for the golden ticket again. Um, definitely going to require me to be a little bit faster out there um but I'm super stoked for that cuz that's going to be awesome but I think the race that I'm most excited for this year is is Canyon's 100k like and that was actually something I just signed up for last week it wasn't originally on my race schedule docket but you know I originally mulled it over and I was thinking about it and like it like weighed over my head every single day um you know and I would tell myself oh it's you know you, it's a whole different kind of training than black Canyon. Like it's a lot more climbing, like, you know, it's, you're, you're going to have to like push yourself a little more, but like, I was also planning to do like San Diego 100 in, in June. And I was like, eh, I don't know if it's the right fit. And so like, I had this like lingering just thing on my head of like, you should do canes, hundred k a hundred K. And I kept telling myself, no, 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 I don't think so. And then I just said, you know what? Like, I think there's a reason why this thing keeps holding over my head. So I'm just going to pull the trigger and do it. And so, yeah, so I'm, I'm stoked for Kane's hundred K just cause you know, deep down, I feel like if you, if you have the urge to do something over and over and over and over again, and you can't shake why you should probably still do it. And so, uh, cause it just feels right. I don't know what it is. And so, yeah, I don't know what it is about Canes 100K, but it just feels right, so I'm excited for that. And then an honorable mention is I'll be returning back to Javelina 100 in, in uh, October, so uh, it'll be my second go go-round for that, and uh, hoping to to fix the mistakes that I made this year and hope going for another top two finish. I think uh, that's that, I think it's gonna be awesome, and it's my only 100 miler of the year, so hopefully a little bit more fresh.
0: Let's go. Uh, also, with the Canyons, if you if you if you don't play as well, you still get your your UTMB points, right?
1: There you go. Yeah, exactly. I think you get six running stones. I want to say you get, yeah. So, you
0: get six. Yeah, you get six.
1: Yeah. yeah six. So um, and it's <laughs> cool because I think it's valid for two years. Correct.
0: Yes, it's valid for two years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. See, I love that because if I got in this year, I probably, like, if I got into CCC in top ten, I don't, I don't know if I'd go this year just because, um, if I again, if I want to go to Chamonix, I want to do, I want to do the full UTMB for sure. So yeah, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm excited though.
0: Yeah. Like if you go to Chamonix, you have to go all out because got that's just yeah. that, a trip itself.
1: <laughs> exactly, man. Yeah. And then, Hey, plane tickets to France ain't cheap, man. So uh, got to be efficient <laughs> with the spend, you know, and, and trust me, it's it's not about the money, but you know, as much as I'd, I'd love to go, I, I feel like if I want to go out there, I'm going to, I'm I'm going to like, if I go out there for CCC, I'm going to want to do the hundred miler. And so, um, yeah, that's if I'm next time I'll be in Chamonix, I'll be doing UTMB. Oh, yeah.
0: And then um, here's our last question. So any advice that you can give to someone that wants to get into the world of ultra running?
1: Yeah, 100%. The the biggest advice that I always give is, well, I'll share two things. I'll share the biggest advice that I'll give, and then I'll share the most common advice that I get from my guests. Because at the end of every single episode of the Everyday Ultra podcast, I always ask every guest, as you might know, What is one thing that our listeners can do every single day to be a better endurance athlete? And there's one answer that's been said way more times than any other answer. So I'll I'll, I'll definitely say that. So keeping you on your toes here while I say my answer here, because you're probably like, I don't want to hear Joe's answer. I want (laughs) to hear Adam Peterman's answer and everything like that. Right. So uh, keeping you all on your toes. My answer personally is you got to believe in yourself. And I know it sounds so cheesy. Even if it rolls off the tongue, you can tell my hesitation of like, oh, it sounds so cheesy. But I don't mean just like believe in yourself of just saying that you believe in yourself or that like you know that you can do it. I mean like to the core of your being, you have to have this belief that you can get any skill that you want in your life, whether it is run 100 miles, run 50 miles, whether it's, you know, it doesn't have to be running, it could be anything in life. But if you truly believe to the core of your being that not only you can run 50 miles, but that you can literally learn anything that you can as long as you're willing to put in the work, the time, the dedication, you will get there. You will get there. A lot of times people don't start. They don't push themselves as far as because they don't think they can do it. But having that belief is going to set you apart more than others because the reason why people don't finish things is because they don't believe that they can. Right. Like there's a lot of things that come up. Ultra running is not something for the faint of heart. You're going to you're going to face uh, time struggles. You're going to face injuries. You're going to face, you know, soreness. You're going to face just being tired. You're going to face like a lot of these things. And without that belief, it's hard to keep going you know, despite all those things in there. So my thing is you got to believe to the core of your being that you can do it. And the way that you build that belief is by going out there and showing yourself that you can do it. Same thing to your point, John, before where you said, hey, I didn't think that I could do 50 or sorry, a 50K and and you go out and you did it. Like now, you know. And I think when you do things that you don't think you previously could do, that's how you build that belief. And so um, do the things that you believe you can't do to show yourself that you can do anything like that's really the big thing this and now onto the second thing of what the guests most say i would say probably 80 percent of the guests that come on the show say one thing one piece of advice be consistent be consistent in your running it's better to run every day for five miles a day than to do two runs a week at you know 20 miles a piece By far, being consistent is the way to go for sure. I think and that's why, again, going back to Killian, why he's so successful, he doesn't need to run more than four hours in a session because he's running so many times and he's so consistent. Um, And I think consistency builds the habit. It builds the belief and it builds, you know, the the um, the discipline to get out there and train every single day. And I'm not saying train every day cause I don't even do, I take one day, rest day a week, but you know, if you have a workout scheduled and you're not injured and you're feeling okay, do the workout. If you have a run scheduled and it's raining outside, do the run. Like, you know, it's, um, again, I, I, I think it's not only going to help you as a runner, but it's going to help that belief factor. Cause then you, that's how you become fucking unstoppable is you show yourself that you can do anything despite what the circumstances are. And so be consistent. The answer I get a lot. And I, and I do agree. I think it's so, so important.
0: I totally agree with you on that. (laughs) Yeah. So good. So good. But yeah, man, it was great talking to you. I also want to tell you, if you ever come race in the Midwest again, we should get a Chicago hot dog this time yes, we'll remember, dude. yeah this
1: yeah time one we'll that we remember for sure is, is is portillo's the spot i gotta ask though or is there something better is that too touristy like curious to hear
0: um hey babe is is portillo's our spot to get chicago hot dogs or is there
1: other yeah like what? what's your recommend what's your go-to spot
0: yeah we mostly get there's other places yeah from what my girlfriend is saying there is other places but we to go to Portillo's
1: to get the Chicago hot dog. <laughs> nice. Well, there's actually a Portillo's here in Phoenix because there's so many people from Chicago here. So maybe, I don't know, maybe tonight I just go get a Chicago hot dog. But you know what, John? I'll actually wait until I'm in the Midwest to get it with you. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the next time I will have a Chicago hot dog, it'll be with you, hopefully in know. a warmer Chicago
0: yeah don't don't come here like in a dead of winter because there's nothing to do here <laughs> yeah
1: 100 man and hey dude i'm stoked for you at ice age man that's gonna be freaking awesome and, and keep me posted along the journey and anything i can do to help man it's that uh yeah. you're, you're gonna crush it out there no doubt about it
0: yeah and same thing to you Good luck, you know i know you're gonna crush all your goals with all the races that it's gonna come up for 2023 and yeah like i'm both excited for for both of us like believe me i am uh what before i go like like what you said you set up your you set up goals for yourself same thing as me i set up my i set up like two goals for ice age one is pretty scary for me like placing top 10 with with you know top 10 which is Mm. pretty wild to think about but you never know and you know doing it like running and finishing the race without being injured that's another Mm. thing as well but that's a great goal,
1: man. No, that's freaking awesome. I love how you're having those two goals and man, I love that you're reaching for top 10. That is awesome, dude. Like I'm stoked for you. That is amazing.
0: Yeah. Because the thing is, it's like, you know, I, I, I do want to chase those goals, especially like with a big, like before, like I said, before we ended uh, the end this podcast, like before, you know, it's a big field, but you never know what could happen. But what I'm doing here is whatever I'm learning, uh, whatever I'm doing in training, I'm going to take that into the race. You know, Mm -hmm. don't like, like you hear it over and over again Do not go out too hard because eventually you will blow yourself up at the middle of the race or a mile from the start. You never know. That's why I'm like, that's why I'm doing all these easy runs because like, it's basically setting myself up for the race where don't go out too hard because you know, if you go out too hard, you're going to blow yourself up too quick And, and stuff like that. That's, that's my mentality. It's like, dude.
1: And that's the best mentality to have, like, seriously, like, please, like, for the love of God, like, don't, don't go out hard. Like at Hopalina, I told myself, don't go out hard. And what happened? I went out hard and I had a 27% positive split, which is disgusting. So like, and it was miserable. So like, you are thinking the right way and anyone listening to like, please, for the love of God, when you go on an ultra, like, don't go out hard, like at all. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you have the right mindset, man. And I know you're going to crush it and I can't wait to root for you. It's going to be awesome.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. And also, like, uh, one more thing, I actually took that advice of what Scott Treasure said. Yeah. He, said, yeah, he said, he said, don't don't go out too hard because when you go out too hard, you eventually will crash or you will burn yourself out. Because the thing is, it's gonna be a long day. You have a long way to go, and if you take it easy, did he did he say something about that? When you take it easy mm-hmm. and you and you keep on moving up the the your pace eventually you will finish stronger and you'll negative you know you'll see a, a negative split in your race because you didn't go out too hard
1: yeah 100 percent. yeah scott definitely mentioned that too and another you know kudos i know we talked about like the the top three runners i would say an honorable mention probably at four is nick curry and that dude has mastered the art of negative splitting and so <laughs> i admire everything that nick curry does like he's he's amazing and um yeah. So like, I, I think, uh, it's, it's interesting. I had a conversation, you know, with my coach and he was saying, I think the the best ultra runners aren't going to be the fittest. It's going to be the ones who are paced themselves the best. And that's stuck with me so much. And so, uh, yeah, it, I think, I think a lot more people are, are picking up on it. Like, it's that really being the key to, to perform well on an ultra. So, so cool to see you've got that mindset in and, uh, you know, you're listening to Scott's advice and, uh, <laughs> yeah, man, you're, you're going to crush it out there.
0: Yeah, man. And yeah. So, It was great talking to you, man. It was a pleasure to have you here in this episode. Also, heading into the new year, I will promise I will continue providing more episodes for everyone.
1: (laughs) Awesome, man. Well, hey, thank you so much for having me on, John. I really, really appreciate it, man. And uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm excited to follow along on your journey, dude. So really appreciate the honor of having me on. Yeah,
0: you too, man. And have a good and happy new
1: year. Yeah, happy new year to you too, man.
0: All right, man. I'll see you later. Bye.
1: Yeah, take care.